is a Bulldog Radio podcast. The Ferris State Bulldogs have upset the nation's number two ranked team. Wide open. Taylor is going to take this one to the house. Touchdown Bulldogs. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the most valuable sports podcast. We're finally back. Brandon Worth. Joe Nagy, and we got an absolute banger for the people today. Hey, what's up, everybody? How's it going? Go out a great episode, honestly, Brandon. Super cool. Brody Kaiser from the Athletic Communications staff of Ferris State joined us in just a second for a really great interview. Brody's a good friend of ours on the Ferris State of fantasy football podcast i mean i've had that podcast and i don't even know the name of it what, to, what a great time but are not going to be a great episode for you guys brandon what we got on deck yeah i got a lot fair state postseason beginning for soccer as well as volleyball as well as recapping all the chaos in basketball football hockey and cross country uh as well as a lot to got chat meat about and potatoes basically yeah a lot of meat and potatoes as well as the world series and we talked detroit in motown huge sports weekend World. for detroit sports it was so we'll break that down and more and i mean it's an absolute beautiful day joe beautiful day in the neighborhood as mr rogers sun once is said. shining air in our lungs God has blessed us with another day. Absolutely. We got mics on and we got ourselves back in the studio. Finally Life's looking up is all we got to say. Absolutely. But without further ado, let's swing it to the interview. Now joined in studio, Brody Kaiser of Fair State Athletics is with us. Brody, welcome back. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Glad, glad to be here. Brody, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, no problem. Glad to have you. Brody's part of the athletic communication staff with me and Brandon. It's always a good time having him in the show. But first question for you, Brody, a little bit new to the athletic communication staff. Me and Brandon have been on for a little bit. But, you know, what was that like getting on the team and, you know, reaching out to Rob and stuff like that and getting yourself adversed in the whole world of Ferris Athletics? Man, it was really interesting because working in athletics was one thing that I've always, you know, wanted to do, and I just didn't get around to it until this year, unfortunately. And now that I've started working in athletics, I wish I'd done it sooner. Obviously, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but uh, no, it was a great experience. I reached out to Harrison last year and just said, "Hey, you know, what do you have for me?" And he goes, "Oh, we'll have something, so we'll start you up in the fall." And I uh, started my first day actually was doing football media session with Coach Anise and. Um, from there, it was just uh, started to do some different things and and gotten a lot of great experience. And so far, it's been it's been terrific. I couldn't ask for a better internship with Ferris Athletics. Yeah, and you mentioned you've done a lot of different things. Uh, you cover a lot of the the media interview sessions for Ferris State football and all the other sports as well um, as do statistics and well for other sports. So just talk about being able to work with all those different sports and especially in like different occupations because a lot of people just don't they're not, they just don't do that with their normal job. Well, I think that's the great thing about not just an internship with Ferris, but college college athletics at the D two level, right? You don't you're not so specialized in just doing stats for a certain sport or just doing media interviews or post games things like that. You can do a little bit of everything, um, and and the opportunity here at Ferris is just great. And I think that's the part that that I enjoy the most, right? Is just being able to do all of those different things and get experience doing all those different things and working a little bit with Photoshop to do some graphics type stuff and and gaining a lot of skills that are going to be really necessary as I go into the into the career my career after Ferris yeah for sure and especially I mean speaking of just doing a lot of things I mean all three of us are going to be sharing the call for hockey uh, color and stuff like that you know going into college I know that freshman year you wanted to be the beat reporter for the Saints and kind of do that type of stuff but as your career has kind of changed especially in college and kind of morphed into different things you know what's it kind of looking like now like what you want to do after college is it more stuff that you've been doing here has it kind of changed or stay the same 
that's a great question because you're right. I for the longest time I thought I was going to be a journalist, and that's that's one of the reasons why I was actually not an intern for athletics because I was just kind of putting all my eggs into the torch basket, right? Um, but now that I've become an intern, I've realized that there's so much more out there in the world of athletics. And yeah, I think I do want to try to do something with college athletics immediately after school. Now, obviously, if there was an opportunity to be the lead reporter for the Saints at some point or for any professional team, that would be uh, still my dream goal or dream job, I guess. Recently, though, gotten a lot more into fantasy football podcasting. Um, shameless plug. Shameless, shameless plug. plug. We do have a fantasy football podcast, three of us. But no, that's that's actually as of right now what my end result goal would be is to have a fancy football podcast of my own where I could do, you know, you know, put my writing skills to the test by writing research articles about mm-hmm. fantasy, doing research that way. And then just talking about fantasy football day in, day out, for like sure. they, uh, um, some of the professional podcasters do. Yeah, of course. Shameless plug here for the, the Ferris fantasy show on the Bulldog radio networks. So you can find that out on our link tree as well uh, to find all those episodes. We've been hammering out some bangers late recently, but uh, in the world of fantasy football, there's so much to explore, as you mentioned with the research. And I mean, it's going to continue for years on years we're in, especially now that we have sports gambling in a big prominence within the state. But mm-hmm. uh, what really brought you to fantasy football? Because I know there's a lot of people that have a lot of different stories. Like I know my church youth group got me into it. That's where it all started for me. And I know Joe probably has a whole completely different story, how he got into fairs fantasy football. Well, I guess fantasy football in general. But where did that start for you? It's actually funny because when I was in middle school, um, I thought fantasy, fo- I had like this preconceived notion that fantasy football was sports betting. And I was like, oh, that's stupid. I, you know, I'll never do that. I'm, <laughs> I'm in middle school, right? And then one of my buddies, uh, when I went into my eighth grade year, a freshman year, I can't remember now exactly, but he's like, hey, uh, we have a spot open in one, in my league with my dad and my and my mom and some of their friends. You want to join fantasy football? And I was like, well, I don't know anything about it. And I don't know how to bet. And he's like, it, dude, it's not, it's not betting. You just draft a team and play against other teams and I was like well, okay whatever I'll try it and first year in I had absolutely no idea what I was doing I think I drafted like Marshawn Lynch and the year where he got hurt the first week of the season was terrible <laughs> I had Andrew Luck that season where he threw like 2,800 yards and was just horrible um, but I loved it I loved the fact that I got to follow NFL games follow players dive into stats because numbers was always something I was kind of good with and so putting it to something that I could apply to a game was a lot of fun and then from there on out it just grew i started getting more invested in like reading research stuff about fantasy football doing a ton of mock drafts in the off season and it got to the point where come july in the summer times i was like all right i'm just ready to play fantasy football and so it's just kind of grown from there that's cool for sure and on top of your athletics internships you are the uh, sports editor for the torch i mean you mentioned that a little bit already you know what's that been like for you especially kind of going from you know reporter your freshman year to you know sports editor and kind of taking a different role for that type of stuff. I love the torch. Absolutely love it. Um, my timer as a reporter was terrific because I got those that writing experience. Mm-hmm. Writing journalistically, as you guys know, is obviously much different than writing for like your English class, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a very different style of writing, much more professional, much more concise. And those are great skills that I've learned and I'm going to be able to use going forward. And then moving to, to be the editor last year, this is my second year now as a sports editor, it's been great because I've learned how to use the InDesign program, which is, you know, I wouldn't have had experience with that program if I hadn't been a sports editor. And I've also learned how to, you know, manage like a small group of people. Now, obviously, you guys make it super easy for being good at your job. I don't Aww. have to do, yeah, I don't have to right. do anything crazy, right. you know, Heart uh, emoji. like a boss. But uh, no, it, it's good because I get to be sort of in charge, I guess, if you will, of my little micro section of the sports. So that's been good experience. And then I still get to write when I want to, which is also nice because I kind of throw myself back in as that reporter. And 
I've been talking about opportunities at Ferris and I just feel like the torch is another opportunity that we've been able to take advantage of and it's, it's great. Yeah. And I mean, especially being able to be involved not only within the journalism aspect, the communications aspect, uh, being able to meet coaches and players. Just talk about the interaction you've had and uh, just being able to not only like know these players when they're competing, but also getting that personal side of them, being able to interview them and see them after the game for post game and stuff like that. Getting to know players and coaches is definitely one of the best parts of my job as an intern and my role as the sports editor, previous role as sports reporter. It, it's just so cool when you like talk to a player or something on the phone. And this is especially true for us, I feel like, because COVID, you know, we had to talk to everybody on the phone. Right. Talking to these players on the phone or coaches on the phone and then getting to see them in person and they like remember who you are is one of the best feelings ever. And you kind of have that connection because, oh yeah, we've talked before about the sport that we're playing right now, which is just really cool. Um, And it's almost like you, it's not quite a strictly professional relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you're, you're asking them questions that matter to them. But that sense of just like connection as reporter and as intern to these players and coaches that you just wouldn't have otherwise is something that's so cool. And, and, you know, I just I love that. Yeah. And I mean, you're going to, you know, football media day right after this, too. You know, what's been the you know best sport to interview for, especially like meeting coaches and stuff? Oh man, that's a tough question because I don't really think that any of them are bad or like, and I don't, I'm not like, oh, I have to go interview for this. You know what I mean? So personally for me, of all the sports at Ferris, I enjoy hockey the most, which is odd because I'm not like an NHL fan or anything, but for Ferris, I love hockey. I love coach Daniels obviously is great. And the players, the atmosphere they have there is just awesome. Being D1 helps for sure with hockey. Um, but football media session is, is, is also really cool. Just getting to talk to someone as successful as Tony and niece is also awesome. So I would say hockey and football are probably the ones that I look forward to the most. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Shameless plug sneak peek might have coach Daniels on soon. Don't want to spoil it too fast here, Mm. but Brody, it's been a pleasure. One more question for you. We ask every athlete, uh, staff member, coach we bring on the show. It's been your favorite thing about being here in big rapids and being a bulldog kind of alluded to, alluded to it a couple of times, but uh, I'll, I'll break it down into two different things. The best part about being at Ferris is absolutely the opportunity. At a small school like this, you, you, there's just so much potential for, for students to learn and to get hands-on experience with things that you just really wouldn't at a big-time university. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is the people. Like you guys, people in the program, friends that I've met elsewhere, professors like Dr. Allspa, and, and then like you guys talked about players and coaches, just being a smaller school, you get to make a tight knit community of people where you know everyone a little bit, which is really cool. So I would say the opportunity that we have as students to to really experience what it's like to be in the field we want to be in. And then the relationships we meet with the people from doing that experience, I think is those are the two things that I would say I love the most about Ferris. Very cool. Yeah. Brody, thank you so much for coming on the show, taking time. Good luck with the interview and stuff like that. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Having a blast on the Ferris Fantasy Football Podcast. Absolutely. Thanks guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Big thanks to Brody for joining us. Great friend, great staff, great hard worker. Yeah. Brody's an absolute gem. What a guy. Love him to death. Absolute pleasure to have him on the show. We're going to hop into the Ferris State Sports Report. Brandon, what we got on deck? Let's go to do hockey, why don't Let's we? Let's go do that hockey. Let's go do that hockey. Let's do that hockey. Borderline favorite SNL video I've ever seen. That is pretty top tier. SNL it's up doesn't there. really push out a lot of good content lately, but that one was that one was one of the best ones. But hockey was out in Bemidji State last weekend, trying to get the sweep after the two-two tie win in the shootout on Friday. Wasn't able to get the job done. Lost an OT on Saturday. 
Good showing, not going to lie. Bemidji was a team that uh, upset St. Cloud State just the week before. We're a top 20 ranked team, and they were able to come in. We were able to shock them uh, first game. We played pretty solid. Logan Stein had just a great game too as well, uh, but just a little bit short on the second day. Yeah, it comes down to this, and we've said this going into this year and really in years past. We can play with anybody, anywhere, anytime, but we just only get two game or two points or three points sometimes where we need six we only get one out of the two games that's mm -hmm. really been the difference maker i think in a lot of our campaigns in recent memory and i think this was a really good game and a really good weekend overall i mean really mentioning friday's game i mean as you mentioned joe getting the win in the shootout one nothing uh i mean we saw a lot of good things especially uh the fight back in the second period where bemidji was starting to get on a run there after scoring just before the first period and then early into the second when they took that 2-1 lead. Uh, and, I mean, they really they answered one minute after that Tyler Schleppi goal to start it all off. So you knew, I mean, being the number 20 team in the in the country, the Beavers bring a lot of challenges, and they bring a lot uh, offensively and defensively. Momentum swings is something that they really like to do. They like to get on you in bunches, um, and you could see it right there. And we responded very well, uh, really dug our feet in, and just defended as much as we can. Uh, and that ended up getting us in good position. Austin McCarthy had the equalizer. Um, we held him off in the third period and the overtimes and then ended up winning it in the shootout. So uh, I'd be very interested to see. Um, I mean, we'll obviously get to CCHA player in the week here later on as the announcements will be made. But, I mean, Logan Stein was fantastic. He's him. He is He's the, that guy. I mean, 41 saves on 43 shots on Friday. Fantastic. He's a brick wall. Uh, yeah. It was really a phenomenal showing from him. And, I mean, overall you saw – um, a lot of great things from all across the board. I mean, Schleppi mm -hmm. able to score with the, state, uh, the assist from Blake Evano, as well as McCarthy scoring from McLaren um, and Brad Merrick. So uh, I think you saw those things. I mean, Logan Stein got one of the stars from the mm -hmm. uh, from the hometown announcing crew. So that just shows how great of an outing he had um, from the other team's perspective. But I mean, we really saw a lot of great things overall in this game, and I think the biggest thing, Joe, was we we were able to put our feet down and we were able to skate with them that third period and uh, really ride this thing out because they came they came at us with a vengeance in that third period, especially out shooting mm -hmm. us twelve to five. And that's a breath air, breath of fresh air as well because when you look at what we were able to do last year in the third period, it was pretty lackluster, and to see that we're actually you know keeping the foot on the gas and able to match energy. It's something that's really, really important. Uh, also, shout out to Noah second day. I mean, 34, uh, 34 shots, 32 saves. It was a great outing for him. It's just offense kind of couldn't get it picked up. I mean, Brad Merrick scored the lone goal for the Bulldogs in the second showing. But I think the one thing that the team just has to work on is just really trying to strive for not OT wins or anything like that because picking up three points is going to be crucial. The CCHA is wide open right now. I mean, if we swept Bemidji this year or this weekend or last weekend, excuse me, we would have been top or near close second or third in, in ccha standings but yeah. now i mean we're uh, a little bit past the halfway point at the bottom but that just shows how close the ccha is going to be as soon as you know the second half of the season starts starting up i mean minnesota state they're i think seventh right now but they aren't as good as they were last year northern's kind of starting to be able to pick it up where they're going to make they have a chance running away with the ccha but you know bemidji bowling green michigan tech us we're right there with each other, and we can really do some damage between those four as well as Lake State. So it's just kind of making sure we can get those three points secured rather than going into OT. Uh, but still, to be able to see how much we've improved in the third period so far this season compared to last year is uh, is leaps and bounds better than what we've been seeing. Yeah, and you could kind of tell a little bit in that Saturday game, kind of rewatching it, 
it definitely looked like we were a little out of sync when it came back in that first period. I mean, Bemidji, you could definitely tell, uh, took the momentum especially. I'm sure they were a little upset for how um, that result ended up on Friday. I'm sure they would have liked to get the sweep, so they came out with a vengeance. Um, but, I mean, we really responded well. I mean, especially going down one nothing early. Um, able to match the momentum, like you said, Joe. I think that was crucial. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, right now, as I look at the standings, I believe we're sit at, seated right now at five, and mm-hmm. we're really not far behind uh, Bemidji and Bowling Green as far as win percentage is concerned. Uh, they both have two wins as opposed to our one, um, but Bowling Green has four losses. We only have two, um, so we just haven't played as many games as them yet. So we can make that catch-up with a couple wins um, over the next couple weeks here before the the holiday mm-hmm. break, and but, that's just with the with the buy that we had, you know. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's definitely gonna be interesting how it shakes out later on. But no, I think you're right. Northern as well as uh, Bemidji, uh, both those top tier teams, but they've they've dropped some games earlier this year. And I mean, Lake State's a team that we were looking at um, watching coming in, and they haven't really performed their best out of the gate as well um, as Michigan Tech. So really, mm-hmm. right now we can't make the, we can't really make the projections at the moment i mean we've only seen these teams for, for uh yeah for six weeks there's a lot of hockey left we so. haven't even reached the second half of the season yet like no. we're, we're still at the first part of it yeah so it'll be a while there but i think overall i mean we didn't see as many penalties um in the, especially the saturday game but this weekend overall as we had seen um a while and sometimes that that gets you a little bit uh, i wouldn't call it out of the out of the funk or whatever but sometimes i mean when you're used to playing uh, on the killer, on the power play so much that five-on-five five hockey for 20 minutes feels like very taxing. So mm-hmm. um, you can definitely see that a little bit um, in those games. But, I mean, two straight overtime games, you know those guys were really tired. They were really grinding um, as much as they could. And I th- really love to see the fight from this team uh, against a ranked team and able to get a split from them on the road. I mean, it's just been our number, I guess, over there um, at their place. But, I mean, great points. And, I mean, Anytime you take down a ranked team when you're unranked, I mean, that that just think, shows they play well. And I think that's going to be the mantra for this team so far. I mean, we got Mercyhurst, who's a sort of good opponent, nowhere. I don't think they're near the top 20, but we're going to have to play kind of upset throughout the year for CCHA, especially against teams like Minnesota State, Northern Michigan coming up later in the, uh, I think, in two or three weeks uh, in the schedule. And I mean, you got Michigan State as well coming to Van Andel, especially at the Great Lakes Invitational. Uh, they're a team that's starting to pick it up in the Big Ten as well. So that's going to be kind of the situation for the team is just really you're going to be playing underdog most of the time for this year uh but that's one thing that we really like to do especially what we've been seeing so far this season yeah be really interested to see how we play um against Mercyhurst. that game will be at one o'clock first 600 uh students fans that fill the dog pound will get in free so uh that gives you an incentive to come to the game y'all it's free hockey what gets better hockey. than that yeah nothing better to do on a saturday afternoon. oh yeah it'll be fun football's not gonna be home might as well yeah, mine as well. So. You can tailgate in the parking lot. There's a big parking lot. <laughs> I guess. You got to set up those like pop-up canopies and tents all the way around. Mm-hmm. That'd be very interesting. But It'll be a nice time. So, yeah. I mean, we'll have Brendan McCallion back on the ice here at Engelglaben. That'll be nice to That'd see. That'll be cool. Uh, wearing a Mercyhurst jersey, but super fun. Shout out to him and Justin we had on the show uh, this last year. It was a privilege having them in the studio um, and playing for us. So, uh, kind of cool to see the whole circle come around. I mean, we mm-hmm. played Canisius earlier this year. Now we're getting to play Mercyhurst and see a couple old friends and 
it's always fun just to get back together and have those reunions. Mm -hmm. It is a pretty sick thing to see. But we're going to hop into football now. Hop on over to the gridiron. Great game from the Bulldogs uh, against Davenport. Undefeated Davenport at the time. Big win, 28-7. to Absolutely dominated on the defensive side. Held them to, what, under 200 yards total or something like that? I know it was less than 100 yards rushing, which was surprising seeing of how dominant their uh their running back looked right out the gate. That guy was a monster. But we just really picked it up on the defensive side. Got a pick six from Justin Payout, which was huge. Another uh, another interception as well. And then defense just kind of held it down with getting three sacks in total. But, hey, that was a big one. Moved us up in the rankings a little bit. Played a little bit of uh, a little bit of Cinderella killer, I guess, with Davenport having uh, a better season than what they've been having the past couple years. But, hey, got in there, did business, fight another day. Two words. They're back. They're back, baby. The defense is back, and boy, did they make an absolute showing of this game. Uh, I mean, we only hold them to 183 yards of total offense, uh, 11 first downs, 23% on third down. That's lights out right there. Absolutely fantastic. 24 yards on the ground they got up front. That's that's like that's nothing compared mm-hmm. to what they saw coming in. They, they had a little bit of two-dimensional offense, which was making them really, really good team, and that's why they were undefeated coming into this game. Um, so, I mean, we really saw our running game flourish a lot with using Marcus Taylor um, in a lot of variety of ways as well. C.J. Jefferson, I thought, had a really good game as well. Um, but I think, yeah, you see Malik coming back too. We saw uh, Carson have a little bit of a little bit of fumble issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, he still played very solid overall. Getting Malik back, seeing him on the field definitely brought some energy. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, our, our running attack was fantastic. And I think our defense was even – I mean, it's hard to really – give credit to more than one side but the defense just absolutely lights out yeah crazy it was funny too because uh davenport's running back is named khalif jenkins their uh, announcers kept calling him the beef the beef funny. <laughs> uh, that was a good time but yeah it was, it was a super fun game to watch i mean uh, rain held off just until the end unfortunate because i had to walk back to my car and i got soaked Oof. uh which was tough to look but it was a good time i will say this though it gets annoying when people don't quiet down in the old press conference and when you're in charge of making sure nobody talks or whatever that's what went down. People Did you like, lay down the law? I had to, man. I laid down Give the law it to a few him. times. There's no couple, talking, couple please. People being a little loud in the back, and I was like, "Yo, get out, shut up." <laughs> shut <laughs> up. Yeah, Joe means business. Let me I tell do, you, man. What. I, I mean, you must. I'm given responsibilities. I got to make sure it's down. You know. Yeah. Did you go Paul Blart Mall Cop mode? No, I just yelled at people. Oh, okay, that's fair. If you go you Paul Blart Mall Cop mode, illusion, you... yikes! Look out, but. No, I thought this was a great game overall. Uh, I I heard the press conference. I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. So I felt like this um, game was. It was expected that we were gonna. I thought it was gonna be like this anyways. A lot of people said it might be kind of a closer game where yeah. Davenport was gonna light up the scoreboard a little bit. But I knew, especially with how our defense played last week, uh, and then going into this week, they were gonna start to do a pretty quick turnaround. And you know, first quarter was kind of like a little slow how we usually do, but then once they hit second quarter, I mean, we started to really flourish and play really well. I mean, Murph played really well. Uh, Ian got on the uh, on the little old participation with a sack as well, so pretty good stuff to see. Yeah, Mario Ladipo was fantastic. Dude, he was insane. Three sacks in this game, um, as well as Murph added one, but I think you just saw, like, I thought our DBs played really well. Um, they with- shut down a lot of the over-the-middle Oh yeah, they they really got nothing over the middle. I mean, Jason Whitaker was eighteen of thirty one. That's not bad percentage statistically, uh, but one hundred fifty nine yards, two picks. I mean, y- you could tell he was having fits. I mean, just rewatching yeah, this game, you could bit. tell um, that what what I was watching at least like he was a little flustered on where to throw the football. And I mean, you could see 
uh, especially on that uh, on that flat route that he threw and that Paya picked off went 43 yards. I mean, you could just tell like after that they were a little like, huh, th- mm. this is weird. There's guys open, but they're not. Yeah. Like, w- where do I go? <laughs> you know. Uh, so I mean, I thought we played really well defensively, offensively. Got the job done. Still some kinks to figure out. I mean, love to see uh, us hold on to the football and not have as many turnovers. Uh, but I think the penalties were also a very positive thing. Only six penalties in this game, mm-hmm. um, especially with the chaos that ensued uh, on the ejection. So um, right, that was that was tough. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty funny thing. Though, yeah, none of our guys rejected though. Yeah, they stood they they it stood was, their ground and did thing. it the right way. So mm-hmm. Tony uh, Nice even said in the press game or in the post game, I did hear that. He yeah, said that like that was the best officiate game he's ever been a part of. So. Yeah, so it which was is a, true. It was a very solid officiate game. Yeah, I I would definitely agree that they deserve the credit too. So. Uh, but, yeah, definitely saw a lot of great things. And, really, the mojo for this team now, I think, after this weekend. You mm. can tell it's back. Yeah, it's back, especially with playing Wayne State at the end of this week, which we'll talk about more Thursday. Uh, but that's going to be a good little precursor going into the NCAA selection where we're going to see for playoffs. We did move up uh, a couple spots in the old um, – Regional rankings, which Ayo. was huge, moved to number two after Pitt State had a little bit of a rough go of it with who they had to play. I forget who it was. Uh, but, yeah, number two in Super Region 3 rankings just behind Grand Valley. Uh, so that kind of gives us a little bit, I want to say easier or better, but just gives a little bit more of a chance to where we can host two games instead of only one uh, in the playoffs, which is pretty sick. Yeah, the fact that they saw Pittsburgh State one and they went to 10-0, and but they still put us over them at 8-1 shows you how highly they think of this football team. Yeah. And I think that should go to credit for I mean for the way that they played especially defensively cuz everybody out there, every analyst in Division 2 uh small college football knows like this defense can be absolutely electric. And our offense has the big playmaking ability to make us a national championship contender, right? Mm-hmm. And when we they see us playing at our best, which Really, from the Grand Valley game, the Tech game, they they weren't seeing our best. No. Everybody that you'd ask on that team knows that. Now they're actually dialed in, back at it, and really going to make a statement against Wayne to really try to get our seating solidified and start making a run, baby. Here we go. Yeah, it's going to be going to be some pretty sick stuff, and can't wait to see what they're able to do for the end of this week. We'll hop on over to basketball a little bit, Brandon. Not much been playing, but uh, Gliak preseason has come out as well as the preseason uh, first team and second team for both men's and women's. Brandon, so we'll hop into that. We'll start with the men's side. Men's, a top of the polls so far for preseason. That's what we like to see. Yes, sir. Northern Michigan, Lake Superior State, and Michigan Tech are 2, 3, and 4, and kind of the rest are... All the, all the rest. But it is preseason, so it might change up a little bit. But I'm pretty excited to see what this team is able to do. I mean, we talked about the Michigan game a little bit, uh, which we only lost by what, 13, 14 13 points? was the so final. So that was, that was pretty huge for the program. Love to see that. But this is going to be a season that's kind of going to be a definition one, losing Dorian and Walt and uh, Lee, some guys who are really great scorers, as, lo- as well as Logan. Excited to see what uh, some guys do stepping up into new positions. Yeah, absolutely. I had the privilege of seeing this team play down in Chrysler, uh, on Friday night, and I thought it was a really solid game. I mean, there were some times where uh, you could just tell the momentum um, was going in Michigan's favor, playing on the home floor, and they were getting shots to fall left and right, especially Jet Howard. That guy looked absolutely ridiculous offensively. Uh, but I thought our our guys really fought very well. And, I mean, that's a really generic thing to say. I know that. But the way that they were able to out-rebound this team at majority portions of this game, they were out-rebounding Michigan, 
they had only 12 turnovers in the entire game, which really was like, I want to say six at halftime. So they're limiting turnovers under the big lights on the big stage against the best team in the state, arguably, um, in college basketball. And I thought, I mean, getting offensive rebounds, uh, they they just really didn't fill the bath. They fill the basket as much, I think, as they would have liked mm-hmm. to. And I mean, still ending up scoring uh, seventy five points. That's nothing to be ashamed of at all. Um, it, it was just really a, a battle down the stretch. And I thought the last six seven minutes, I think we played very 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 well, uh, moving the ball in transition, able to get a lot of open looks and able to knock them down. Just would have loved to see that in the beginning of the game, because then you never know. It could have been a much more closer game. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of things to look forward to, especially with. Uh, do they play this weekend? I forgot to check. Uh, I believe that they are going to be taking on Treveca, and mm, that's they're in is. that tournament down in Nashville oh, to start yeah. the season. So Treveca, mm-hmm. Southwest Baptist, Northern <sighs> State, Minnesota Duluth um, will be the teams that we'll take on, and then we'll have the Thanksgiving Classic coming up as well. But uh, that those will all be uh, like the Northern Minnesota Duluth games are uh, an extra week away. But Treveca and Southwest Baptist down in Nashville Friday, Saturday this week. So be able to watch them in action. So. Uh, I thought there was a lot of great games uh, from this team so far this season. I thought uh, Solomon Aragbu showed a lot of great things um, in that Michigan game as well mm-hmm. um, as Amari Lee and the backcourt. I think those guys are, are playing really good. I thought Veyas played very well, especially with his task uh, taking down, trying to shut down Hunter, Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson. I thought he did. Thought he did a really they're good job same, too. They're the same height, but just Hunter looks like he just got a little bit more. Uh, well, Vegas is like two inches shorter. Is Nate Clarabout is the same height though. Oh, like, he, did, is he did get some minutes against him, and that was kind of fun. He actually made a, I think like his first time he checked into the game in the second quarter that he came in against Dickinson and immediately scored in the post, and then went down. They went down the other way, and Dickinson wanted back at him, and they got him the ball on an ice on the block, and I think that Clarabaugh ended up getting a foul, but he almost blocked him. It was almost like a complete momentum change from, from when Clarabaugh came on. So he's got a lot of good potential, um, and I think a lot of our other guys too. Ethan Erickson was good shooting the ball. Uh, ben Davidson, uh, he started to get it down in the, the late in the second half, starting to dial his shot in a little bit uh, and get to the rim. But I think overall the aggression of this team um, just got to move the ball a little bit more. I think they played a lot of ISO ball, um, which I mean against Michigan playing a man-to-man, you can see that coming a little bit. But when this team moves the ball around and they find open shooters and open lanes, uh, I mean they're as talented as anybody in this conference and if not Division Two. Yeah, for sure. That's a that's a thing that we got to look out for. Uh, ben Davidson and Solomon Rugby made second team all Gliac for the uh, preseason. Uh, no Bulldogs made the first team uh, all Gliac preseason squad. But over on the women's side, uh, Ferris is going to be number two on the preseason poll, just trailing Grand Valley. Uh, they not tallied 72 points in uh, voting for preseason, while Grand Valley got 81, so just missed out on that one. But women's team is looking pretty scary as well. Yeah, they're going to have a lot of firepower for sure. I mean, we saw a little bit of that um, in Toledo. Um, but obviously that team was very talented. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it really, I mean, it's going to be starting up this weekend for them as well. Ohio Dominican and Cedarville, um, the two early matchups here for this uh, November slate. Um, and then we'll, they'll be at home, I believe, next Wednesday. Um, the 16th at 530 will be their first game against Northwood. Uh, so that'll be a fun game to watch for sure. But I think that you see what this team really has. And, I mean, obviously with uh, Chloe and Mallory being on the second team already, you know those two are going to be an immediate factor. 
Uh, and then you got a lot of other really talented players. I mean, especially coming in a lot of transfers or a lot of uh, underclassmen like Kenzie Bowers, of course, uh, being from Kent City. Um, you'll be in the sure the local story this season as well. Ariel Jenkins will be back after being missing last season on injury. Um, seeing that the the development of a lot of the guards as well um, in the backcourt behind uh, Blanchard and McCartney will be very interesting to see. Uh, but I think you got you have a lot of opportunity for growth off of last year's team, and I thought last year's team played absolutely fantastic. So uh, you're going to see a lot of great things, I think, from this team as well. And I think this team shows a lot of great depth. I think last year there was there was quite a bit of depth, uh, but this year it could be even more with the high class of recruits that they got coming in this season. Yeah, for sure. One uh, thing that I'm looking forward to is Kenzie Bowers, especially in the guard position, seeing what uh, her and Mallory are going to be able to do and kind of sharing that, and as well as Caden going to be able to uh, see what her role is this year, especially. I mean, she was someone who could really light it up around the around the arch and be able to get a spark going for the team, but that one's going to be, uh, or those three are going to be an exciting uh, trio to watch, especially with ball movement and stuff like that. Amaka Unabaga as well is someone that I'm looking forward yeah, to this year. Uh, she kind of started to flourish near the end of this uh, season, uh, really picking up some minutes and starting to kind of be not a uh, centerpiece, but one person who really came off the bench and was able to, you know, produce well. So this year is going to be something where I think it could really be a breakout year for her, uh, depending on what she's able to do and staying healthy uh, with stuff like that. But basketball's right around the corner, Brandon. Already getting going. Season's almost starting up for regular season. Can't wait to see it. Yep, already on the move. Really got to jump on the trainer. You're going to lose it. It's, yeah, it's, it's true. It's getting on quick, fast, in a hurry, let me tell you. But. It's moving. Yeah, absolutely. But transitioning over now, volleyball will be uh, in action. GLIAC Tournament Week starting on Wednesday, so the day Tomorrow, you get baby. this podcast released. Lake State coming to town for the open corner final 1v8 matchup, uh, a team we've beaten earlier uh, this season twice, including October 24th, the recent victory against them on that Monday afternoon game, if those that remember, uh, with all the elementary kids yelling and screaming everywhere. Uh, but no, it was, should be a really good contest. I mean, I think offensively they they were really lights out Friday and Saturday. Um, you saw a little bit of the uh, momentum swings kind of going both ways. I mean, especially in the Davenport game, um, I believe in that second set where we we got the momentum from winning um, or from losing that first set, and they kind of we kind of took it for. Uh, took it for a ride a little bit, and then we ended up kind of slowing down just a little bit, let them climb back into it. But I thought putting the hammer down, especially in those third, fourth sets with some of those big runs that we had offensively, uh, really made the difference. And I mean, especially against a really good Davenport team, 13 and 4 in the Gleak, 22 and 8 overall. We'll probably see them possibly uh, in the NCAA regional rounds, potentially depending on seeding. Um, but they're a really solid team. And I mean, right now, as the number two seed, you know, um, with them in Northern, it's going to be a tough matchup either way um, if we continue to win and possibly see them down the road. But of course, it's always one game at a time, uh, one point at a time, one set at a time, one point at a time. But uh, Lake State will be the first round. I mean, we we know this team offensively can overpower any team in this CLIAC as long as they're clicking, control the errors, control the tempo, control possessions, uh, and then we'll be in great shape. Yeah, that's going to be one thing to watch out for. They are one and twelve uh, over. Are they are at the time when we last played them? They were one and twelve, but obviously they've kind of picked up some more wins and stuff like that. Yep. But to be able to see where they're at now, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough task. I feel like Lake State's been a team that has been known to play upset uh, every once in a while, but we're a team that's been pretty consistent these past few weeks, especially you know. Ever since that Wayne State loss, I think we really kicked that, got a fire going under us, and we really played solid all throughout those, especially this last home stand uh, where we've just been playing really, really consistent, especially with, I mean, Kaylee Mott getting 
center of the week again. Okay. I mean, for what, six, seven, eight, whoever yeah. knows how many. Probably going to do ridiculous. But the BLC, <laughs> uh, you know, got first first seed locked. Going to be hosting tomorrow. Can't wait to work it, you know. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to get after it. I can't wait to be on the call again. <coughs> I missed it over the last couple of days. Yeah. But uh, then it'll be, so November 9th, the hopefully, quarterfinals. Hopefully it's a nice, sorry, hopefully it's a nice 3-0 sweep so I can go to El Burrito after. Oh, yeah, that'd be true. El Burrito does sound good. Um, quarterfinals November 9th uh, will be taken on Lake Superior State if we get a victory. Semifinals November 11th, Friday night, uh, Wayne State, Michigan Tech winner uh, will take us on, and then the championship will be on Saturday, November 12th, if we get that far. Um, but I think it's going to be a fun matchup. Obviously, Wayne State, a team across um, that I'm sure that you would like to honestly play again because we they like this team knows that they can beat Wayne State. They beat them down in Detroit. Uh, just had a little bit of a rough go around um, when we played them last. Uh, and it'll be nice to see them get revenge on that team. But Michigan Tech also not a uh, a good a really good team as well. So we'll see how that goes out. And obviously we'll we'll cover that and uh, everything that goes down on the Thursday show to preview that matchup and more um, as it goes forward. So, but beat Lake State. That's all you got to worry about. That's gonna be the huge one. Can't wait to see that. Can't get to the next round unless you beat the first round. That's correct. Anyway, finishing out, well, almost finishing out, uh, the next portion of the sports report, soccer made it. We made yeah, the NCAA not, tournament. That, to Congratulations to the women's soccer team. Six seed going up against Ashland to start it all up um, for postseason play. That game November 10th, so tomorrow at 3 p.m. Thursday against the Eagles down in Cedarville. Um, for that opening round. Going to be a fun matchup. Played this team earlier in the season. I was kind of looking back to remember parts of this game, and I do remember a lot of getting opportunities in this game. And, I mean, even if you look back at the box score, you can see how it supports that, um, especially going into, like, early part of this game. I mean, we outshot them 16-12 in this game. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I remember correctly, uh, they worked us out outside quite a bit, and I think, like, they just clogged the middle. Ashland's a very good defensive team. Um, so I'm very curious to see how they counter that because I think our offense has been really doing well working outside in. I mean, we've been able to uh, get opportunities on crosses, get the ball in the box, and make something happen recently. So uh, I'll be very interested to see what Coach Henson does. And, I mean, we wish him the best of luck on the road. Um, and hopefully they can advance and move on to see another game. Yeah, that's going to be pretty cool to see, especially seeing uh, Ashland. They're going to be a tough opponent, especially being – what's their conference name again? The the G Mac, yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah the G Mac is full of really good teams. Uh, so it's gonna be an interesting one. Uh, but I think we're gonna be able to do pretty solid, especially what we've been able to see. I don't know if I mean Izzy's probably nursing that injury a little bit, so we might see her, might not. Uh, I know against Grand Valley, she was playing. She was playing like limited minutes for a little bit, right? Uh, I want to say. Just kidding. She played ninety minutes I against think Grand she Valley. Played, yeah, she played. She played I the think... whole game. So that's. I mean. Pretty surprising, especially seeing that like a lot of the word around town was saying that like you know it might be a season ender for her. But to be able to see that she was able to play that, it's going to be good. Ashland's probably going to really focus that. So spreading the ball around is going to be the move. Uh, but Daria, I feel like is going to have a really good game. Defense going to step up, and I think we can make it to the next round. Yeah, I mean, Grand Valley really established the <coughs> momentum right out of the gate, scoring a minute in that first half at, at home. Uh, I think definitely hurt us a lot. Uh, and then end up getting, I mean, Taylor Reed just went on absolute tear uh, later on in the game. But I think you just saw a lot of things overall from this team that showed a lot of fight. Uh, and we're willing to play We're willing to play everybody. I mean, being able to see Avery Martin get a lot of minutes as well um, as a lot of those substitutes playing substantial amount of minutes, I think shows a lot for this team going in 
um, into this postseason that we're going to be rotating a lot of different players in. Um, I think it'll be very interesting, and I think you look at where this team is at. I think overall, I mean, obviously you saw the offense kind of come to a little bit of a screeching halt. Not that it was a bad thing. We were still getting looks. I mean, we outshot Grand Valley 17-12, to 12, uh, but there was definitely some times where uh, it seemed like we rushed a little bit, just a little bit too anxious maybe to try to get it back because, I mean, you know the outcome of this you are not the outcome of this game. You know, like what it means to this game, being in the semifinals, what you did to this team last year. You're you're really getting antsy to get back uh, and equal it up. So uh, you can kind of understand that for that perspective. Um, but I think you still take a lot of it. You learn from it, and I mean, we really looking forward to uh, really get that mojo back against Ashland and move forward. And hey, maybe we'll play him again. We'll see. Yeah, hopefully we do. It's gonna uh, be a good game. I be hope so. So. Anyway, finishing out the Ferris State Sports Report, GLIAC Cross Country Championships are concluded. Uh, How'd it go, Brandon? It went okay. Um, I would say the least for myself. It was not what I wanted. But, I mean, we still saw a lot of great performances. Shout out to Hannah Brock, second team, uh, all GLIAC on the women's side. She ran very well as well um, as I think everybody ran well. It did not please our expectations, which is a good and a bad thing, and here's why. The, we knew coming into the season that we were in the hunt to be in that top five spot. Um, a lot of these teams really started, we started out a lot. I think the amount of growth that we saw from a lot of these teams last year as opposed to this year, I think we saw us start up higher than a lot of the teams ahead of us, but they just built a lot more, got more guys healthy, it seemed like, by the end of it and just outran us in one race. And that's really all that comes down to what we knew as a collective unit. We didn't race as we would have liked to. Um, we had a lot of great performances overall. Um, but, I mean, team-wise, we would have loved to have seen a lot better results. I know I individually did not race my best. I can guarantee you that. Um, but I think the the women also raced really well. I know they wanted to they wanted to get more uh, out of that race than we ended up seeing. But uh, it, was, it was a solid weekend overall. Not the best, but definitely one that, Get you a little amped up for regionals to try to get the mojo back and get a little rejuvenation coming. You're here to finish out the season. Yeah, for sure. And especially, I mean, you know, it's not always the best thing to see not having the best race, uh, especially in Mesa, it counts the most. But the good thing is, is you, know, you got indoor, you got outdoor coming up after that. So regroup, get ready, recover. It's game time. That's all you can do. But uh, we'll be back in action at Kenosha over at Parkside. Um, for the Foot Locker course, if that's familiar to anybody, we'll be going there for the 10K Regional Final um, next uh, next Saturday, not this upcoming Saturday, but next Saturday over uh, in Wisconsin. So that'll be fun. See where we stack up in the region. We've been a team that's been in top 10 conversations, so uh, now on, in time to prove it. So we'll see how that goes and really yes, looking sir. forward to uh, so good words, our week's worth of work uh, and really build from there. And, uh, like you said, really take that momentum and run with it the rest of the year. So, Looking forward to it, Brandon. Should be fun. We'll be excited. I'm sure I'm, I'm stoked to get back on, back in the driver's seat again. I got, I got unfinished business from last week and I can tell you that. So, uh, but no, it should be, it should be a really fun race. And I think we'll have a lot of, a lot of great things to look forward to, but that's me. The Fair State sports report. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back. We'll recap the world series and more here on the MBSP. 
Nearing the two-year anniversary of this podcast, Brandon and I have found that Anchor.fm is one of the only things that have been able to keep us up and going here in the studio. Anchor is a great way to distribute your podcast as well as edit and basically make sure that everything's running smoothly. If you want to start your own podcast, go on over to Anchor.fm. You can learn all the ins and outs of making your own podcast, distributing content, all that good stuff. That's what we use. That's what we recommend. Anchor.fm. Give it a shot. And we're back from our quick little break. I had to get a quick little water in my water cup so that way I wouldn't keep coughing or anything like that. <laughs> also, sorry, we're stumbling over our letters a little bit today. Uh, you know, that's what happens when you usually take a week break from something. Uh, takes a hot sec to get the rust knocked off, but we're here. We're ready to go. Uh, World Series. Hate to see it. Trash Rose won it. Uh, six games. Brandon, it's a sad day, really. Sad day for it's America. A sad day. Every, nobody wanted Houston to win except for maybe half the population of Texas. Yeah, pretty much. It was a, a tough one to swallow as a, as a society. I'm sure the vast majority was rooting for the Phillies, as uh, certainly you could see why for being such a good Cinderella team. But uh, I think you saw a lot of interesting things over the World Series. I think you saw... Uh, how much being able to hit consistently is important because uh, it definitely yeah, hitting s- the ball is pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, you saw the Phillies go so hot and cold, and I think yeah. that was one of the biggest things that kind of kind of hurt them in the long run. Because uh, I mean, being able to have five home runs in one game and then the next game get completely no hit, the momentum swing went completely yeah. to Houston. I mean, they just took it as a one game fluke, and then uh, you could really just see how that progressed from there. But uh, I think overall, I mean, you saw uh, a lot of a lot of good matchups. I mean, especially the finale, uh, finishing four or five four. I thought that was um, a very interesting game overall. Just the the way that it went it went down uh, in the end. But uh, I think the just the fact of how the whole series went, I think just kind of made you show how much you can appreciate the game for how. Uh, how crazy it can be at times just because, uh, I mean, you looked at how the series came. It looked a little lopsided. Houston was definitely probably the favorite because mm-hmm. they had won more games and uh, they overall were just the better team uh, roster-wise, statistically and all that. But, I mean, Philly really got it moving a little bit. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, just that absolute bomb uh, by Jordan Alvarez as well um, as – I mean, Jeremy Pena was absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. for Houston, and he played a fantastic series all the way around. Yeah, uh, especially with looking at what, like you said, Philly was very hot and cold, which was just the reason they lost it. Uh, but, you know, all through game six, as soon as, like, the first or second inning went down, I was like, yeah, Houston's going to win this one because they just looked in control all through there. And I mean, especially with winning the last two, game four and game five before that, you just kind of knew that they were in control of it, and Phillies was kind of on their back heels a little bit, especially after um, the getting no-hit part. I feel like their bats just fell apart after that. And we saw that throughout the whole postseason. You know, like there would be, be moments where they came up big and, you know, sent you know home runs to send them to the World Series and stuff like that. But, you know, Bryce Harper would have a couple good uh, – couple good at-bats in a row, and then he may go like two or three in a row where he wouldn't really be able to do much. And that was kind of the story of the whole lineup where they just seem to have one or two off moments where they, you know, get they either went big or went home. You know, they didn't really get much going on of just taking walks or anything like that or really trying to get runners on base and playing the small ball part of it. They definitely were, you know, going for the Schwarber bombs, going for Harper, hitting it far, bone going deep. I mean, Reese Hoskins, Nick Castellanos, you have so many big hitters in that lineup that when it comes to a moment where you have to stay disciplined and you have to make it so that way 
hey, we might not need a hit here. Let's just get a walk or let's take this 10 pitch at bat and stay disciplined. And then it ends up where, you know, you let a ball go by and, you know, especially with Castellanos, I think he had what, like a 10 or 11 pitch at bat in game yeah, six. I remember and that terrible call. I will say that terrible call of the cutter on the, on the inside uh, that he called a strike where the ball didn't even cross the plate. I don't understand how you call that. And he called it uh, a strikeout on him. That really kind of just was a story of what Philly was going through. I think uh, not saying that like the game was like pitted against them or anything because they just kind of fell apart, but it just kind of seemed like they weren't really getting any breaks going their way. And Houston was just, getting all of it, especially in five and six, being at home, being in front of Houston fans. It was funny. My favorite part about this whole series, though, is Phillies fans, when, like, Houston fans would be in Philadelphia, and, like, they'd be, like, flipping them off and be, like, Astros suck and stuff like that, and they'd be, like, getting mad at them. And then you see Kate Upton flip off a Phillies fan, all the Phillies fans are going crazy. I'm just like, this is exactly what you guys were doing to Houston. <laughs> like, I don't understand what the thing is. It was funny. Uh, but, yeah, wish the Astros didn't win. I think everybody in the world didn't want them to win. Uh but they did. Hate to see it. We'll see next year if they're going to be good. I don't know. Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially good in that. for Dusty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, do it for Dusty. I think that was the coolest part, getting uh, but Dusty Baker his first World Series title as a manager was super cool. Um, but, I mean, especially in that finale, I mean, you saw Philly get the finally the momentum. It was a really, really I – would, I wouldn't call it, like, boring game, but it was a very dull game. That's what uh-huh. it was, a dull game. Um, in that finale until like the sixth inning um, where, I mean, you saw Philadelphia get on the board uh, and then, I mean, Astros just went at it momentum-wise, just absolutely took the, <laughs> I mean, being at home, I mean, that place was absolutely just, I, I don't think I, you could even hear anything in the stadium after Alvarez went deep uh, with that three-run homer straight center. I mean, that was an absolute bomb, by the way. Like, mm-hmm. what, 460 that was measured at? Yikes. Um, but I think overall the pitching for uh, Houston was something that was very underappreciated uh, throughout the series. I mean, you saw only, I believe, two games where the Phillies got over uh, five or excuse me, three runs. I think I want to say game one, right? Six to five in extras. Mm-hmm. And then and the, then the, five, home the run five home run game that After they that. got seven. Yeah, seven nothing. So at the other games, five, two, five, oh, three, two, four, one. I mean, pitching wise, they were dominant. Um, so I think you saw a lot of great things from them as well, but I mean, Houston's just a great, a great team. And it's just a shame that every time that they're going to win something, people are just going to be asking questions because just cannot run the pass sometimes. Mm-hmm. This legacy they left and it was a bad one because they cheated straight up. Tell us how you really feel, Joe. I think we've already heard how I feel <laughs> many a time, but, oh, yeah. uh, Bregman had a pretty good game, a pretty good series, 238 batting average. Altuve, uh, broke the 300 threshold as well as Yulieski Gurriel, uh, and then Jeremy Pena, 400 on the series. I don't know if he got too many opportunities, but he was able to capitalize, uh, when they needed him most. So pretty solid batting just with averages from, uh, on the Astros side. Like we said about Phillies, uh, when they came up and got hits, they were big, but those were few and far in between. I think their best average was 280 from Alec Bohm. And other than that, I don't see many other guys over 220, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of unfortunate for them. But that's just the way the cookie crumbles. If you can't, if you go up against a really good pitching staff that's going to keep you on your toes uh, and you can't really do anything else about it. So stuff to improve for them, I think. The big thing is going to be pitching for the Phillies. I didn't really feel like their pitching was super great uh, throughout the whole time. They've more just kind of scooted away by how they were batting, uh, which we saw especially during the NLCS against uh, San, or, yeah, San Diego Padres. 
just tough looks. Wish Philadelphia wanted out. I really wanted a, I really wanted a series for the Bell, but just can't win them all, I guess. Yeah, now they'll focus on the uh, the Eagles. But I mean, they're they definitely had a great run there. I mean, taking out the Cardinals and then the Braves that were the uh, the previous World Champions, as well as the Padres, who look like the favorites going out of the NL. Mm-hmm. Um, but too bad Tatis had that whole thing going on. Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to see him play, but. Uh, I think, yeah, I mean, you looked at what Houston did. They took out the Yankees. They they really had a good road there with just good fundamental play. They just had a, they just have a great roster. Uh, but, I mean, I, it was definitely cool to see, like, a one seed play to six seed in the World Series. That's what, mm-hmm. it, that's what it needs to be in sports, right? That's what we look forward to in, like, March Madness every year uh, is to see some of these teams play. And our, teams are already making moves, so uh, it'll be very interesting what Philadelphia does if they keep that roster around or if they try to build younger um, the Astros for sure are probably going to sell and buy as they always do, but some other teams are, could go all in too. Like you saw the Mets show a lot of great things this year. It's just a shame that they absolutely tumbled into a bonfire by the end of the season, but they've already brought back Edwin Diaz um, and they're trying to get Jacob deGrom to stay um, and maybe even bring Aaron Judge over. Who knows at this point? Uh, but I mean, a lot of good things though, still looking up for Philadelphia. I mean, obviously with the uh, the start of the Flyers season as well as the way the Eagles have played. I mean, that's something that Detroit wants, Joe. You know, you, you just want to see the success all around in sports, which if you're a Detroit fan, hey, you got to experience week, it last weekend. Last week was a big one. Last was. week was a huge one. Pistons won. Red Wings swept the weekend. Michigan basketball swept the weekend. Lions won. Lions won. Let's go. I think it said this is the first time that the Red Wings and the Lions have won the same weekend since, like, December of 2017. Wow. Which is insane. Too long. Way too long. But yeah, just that's ridiculous, which is sad. Sad to see. But hey, could happen next week. Could go back to back. Yeah. And then back to back to back. Back to back to back. It's going to be a snowball effect and it's going to keep on going. Dude, Detroit, though, I feel like we got a good chance of. I know we say this all the time, but like Detroit has a solid opportunity to really like turn a page here, especially with what they have for each team. I mean, each team right now, other than the Tigers, I'd say, has some solid young core that we can build around. Yeah. It's just the right steps that we got to take. I'm not sure if the Lions are going to be able to make the right steps because it's the Lions and it's the Fords, and they don't always, ma- they never really make the right decisions ever. Uh, but I think with Iser plan is going to work out. I think if you just maybe situate uh, the coaching situation over in old Piston land. You might have a little bit different thing going on. Some people want what? How do you, what do you want, Brandon? Do you want Dwayne Casey fired? Do you want him to stay? I'm torn because I haven't seen the team play consistently enough to see if it's really Dwayne Casey. Because I've seen games where it's definitely been Dwayne Casey, but then mm-hmm. there's nights where we just uh, the momentum's not flowing our way. We're not able to get in transition. We don't shoot the ball well. Yeah, it's just um, life, really. But yeah, I think after this season with the loaded talent that we have, if we're uh, barely or a, an under 500 team, I think, yeah, a coaching change, honestly, is probably yeah. inevitable. I was going to say the same thing, but I know a lot of people that I talk to that, like, do watch basketball, like, religiously and watch and just follow Detroit basketball, they want Dwayne Casey gone. So that's going to be a little situation going on for them. But like I said, Detroit sports, Brandon, we said it before on this podcast. We had many segments where we talked about it. It's on the come up, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully, I would say so. I think you look at a lot of great things i think the overall morale of detroit is improved immensely i think Mm -hmm. with the right with the people that we've brought in 
regardless of how they've done on the actual surface. I think around it have made Detroit a much more pleasable, motivated, better city mm-hmm. for sports overall. And I think it, there's no way to argue that. Yeah. I think what you want to see now is that momentum with the win column being filled. And I think you're seeing that a little bit with the wings starting off. Obviously, we knock on wood for the season the rest of the way. Um, but then you look at, okay, can the Pistons follow suit? Ah, oh, we're kind of seeing them up and down. Lions, yeah, same way. And, and then obviously the Tigers, we know how that ended, but we've already taken the steps to to re, re really kind of retool that. Um, but I think you definitely see uh, a coaching change inevitably at the end of this season. I think if you're the Pistons under 500, um, just for the future of the franchise moving forward. Um, but I think with the Lions, it'll be much more interesting to see how this team finishes out because I know some people that would say that if he doesn't get to 500, then Dan Campbell's gone. And I know other people that say three wins and he's still there. So uh, it's really a mixed bag. And it's I think that's going to really tell the tale of the difference between Martha and Sheila. I think if you see much more aggressive move made at the end of this season as opposed to next. Um, but I, it'll be just very curious because we've seen this before. Like we know I mean, it took how long for Patricia to get fired. No offense to him, but. He was clearly not the fit after year one, and it took three years to finally figure all that out. Mm-hmm. It'll be weird to now see Dan Campbell, who's a much more favored, liked guy. Yeah, if he's gone early, and Martha, then, Martha, that's all it means business. Yeah, Martha even said like, "We're not going to get rid of him after this year. Like, we want to, like, we like what he's doing. Like, what he has like changed the program, especially with just culture wise, and they want to see where he goes with that. But yeah. it's going to be an interesting thing, especially seeing like." That's that's the thing. You want to have a coach that the players like, which the players definitely do like Dan Campbell, but it's just like we want wins. You can be likable but not win games. Yeah, exactly. Those people get fired nine times out of ten. Yeah, exactly. It's unfortunate too. Yeah, it's unfortunate because the fans like Dan Campbell. Oh, they they, they like what you know Detroit grit and what that stands for. But you know, if we can't get a couple wins the next couple, you know, because how many times we're gonna say we just need to tank a little bit more and then we're gonna be fine. Don't say Can't that. We, yeah, we, no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> we though. never like, want to tank. We don't want to tank, but then it's like we get halfway through, and it's like, well, Detroit can still get like the second pick if we just lose out, right? And then it's like, right now, I think we can get like the third or something like that. But if we keep winning, then we're gonna move down. But then also, it's just the thing of like, why don't we just move around and try to make some moves and trades and stuff like that? But I don't know what the whole deal is with that situation. Yeah, for sure. But I'll be very interested because obviously, with like the way that the the whole coaching corral has gone this year for the NFL. Cause there's teams that there's quite a few teams that have even said like, yeah, we might not have our same coach at the end of the year. And two of those teams already dismantled their coaching staffs already. I mean, the Carolina Panthers were first with Matt rule. Um, and now the Indianapolis Colts let Frank Wright go. Um, so then you see that kind of go out and the whole thing with Jeff Saturday is very interesting to see how that went about. I don't know if you saw that Joe, just the yeah, whole hiring process of that was weird. It was only 12 hours or something that they took to decide that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They it, had to have had the him in mind or something like that. Yeah. And you wonder how that kind of goes. Cause Jeff Saturday and Jim Mercy have known each other a long time. Yeah. So you almost wondered if Jeff this Saturday was going to strike before. me as a head coach type of guy. I mean, I know he was the captain of the team with Peyton, and he was like the center and stuff like right. that. Right. He was a high school coach that was success, not that successful though. I mean, he yeah. was he finished his four year career over like five games over five hundred. Yeah, he did turn that team around and get him to the state semis or the state quarterfinals or something uh, in the two years. But 
it's just really weird it's to a, see how that whole thing. Because like I don't. I, I just feel like a lot. A big jump is like, hey, I turned this high school high school around in football. You see yeah. that? Okay. Yeah. You want to be the like head coach of the uh, Colts for a little bit to see if you fit? That would be weird. like that would be like like my high school. Like we were terrible. Our coach like turned on the program like three years to now like where we were like almost undefeated, went to the playoffs and stuff like that. Like we've been in the playoffs like the last three years. That would be like him getting a call from the Colts and be like, hey. Loving what we're seeing over there. Yeah. You want to coach for us for like a week or two just to see what goes on? Yeah. That'd just be I, – I, I just don't understand that. Yeah, especially if he like played. I know it's just a relationship for like though. the thing, yeah. It, it's really like this is how it would – this is not – like it's no offense to Jeff Saturday, but like would you think that some people would want to have like Peyton Manning be in that spot over Jeff Saturday? And that's no offense to him. We just don't see Jeff Saturday as a coach. That's yeah, the really the whole seems... thing this thing is all about. Mm-hmm. Because if it was Peyton Manning, we'd have a much different conversation through the same process of the 12 hours. Yeah, because I feel like with a center, it's... The thing is, with center and quarterback, they're much of the, they are much of the same because they know the plays. They are captains on the offense. Like, they basically run the whole show. However, center and quarterback... Although they are similar, they are incredibly different. Just right. because of what you have to do as a as a manager of like your own skill set and what you're doing in your position. Right. With Peyton, like he has to understand like wide receivers, how they're going to move, how DBs cover, and stuff like that. All centers really have to do are kind of cover just the rushers, like especially who they're on, linebackers, and kind of recognize close interior defense schemes rather than the thing as a whole because you're not really seeing and making those decisions. So it's interesting that they chose him. I know exactly why. It's just because he was a captain and he was like basically Mr. Colts for his whole year his career. So I think that's the main reason why. And plus he's probably just been talking to whoever it was that hired him. But Yeah, he's been close with the Ursay family, and I think that does have something to do with it. The most interesting thing that I have, because like – Jeff Saturday is a great analyst. Like he knows football. He, yeah, he knows. You, he's hear, talking you, can, about. you hear it on ESPN. He knows football. Just the whole way this thing has went down has been questionable. The whole yeah, thing's been questionable. It's been a little suspect because they fire Frank Wright within twelve hours. They hire Jeff Saturday, which is one thousand percent not the orthodox method when you fire a coach. It's you take the time through the rest of the season and you let somebody coach interior wise. One that you want to get a look at anyway, and two, so you don't really like mess anything up going with the the way that the season's flown already like Jeff Saturday's gonna have to go in and either run Frank Wright system for a whole year with the coaches or he's gonna have to try to change everything before week 18 going into the offseason by then it's too late mm-hmm. like that's just the timing of this is you just can't ignore it mm-hmm. it is weird and there's something going on that I think that it would be very interesting to know why they went in this direction because if it works out then people are gonna be like well, how'd you do that? Like, we'd love to see this team do really well after firing our head coach halfway through the year and changing everything. So it's just a lot of unknowns make this very interesting. Sus, as the kids may say, you know? Suspect. Suspect. Indeed. Very interested. See how the Colts do. Maybe the Lions will have more wins than the Colts by the end of the year. Who hmm. knows? Who knows? Also a little bit detrimental to those fantasy owners of people who are on the Colts. But do yeah. going to see how that goes with it as yeah. I am a... Now disappointed, Michael Pittman Jr. owner. Yeah, had a lot of potential at the start of the year, but now he's starting to fall apart. But hate to see it. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. And we'll just have to wait. Life and see. goes on. That's true. If you're a Colts fan, 
that we do offer support for you. Maybe you mm-hmm. can you want to ventilate on the show. You can hit us up on the MBSP on Instagram and Twitter. We got spots for you, so mm-hmm. make sure you reach out to us and we'll get you in the studio. Got some great interviews coming up and more throughout the rest of the semester. Pretty special content coming up. People. Yes, postseason is upon us. You're going to want to know the matchups. We'll give them to you, all the analysis, stats, and more here on the social. Make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are on. We're still gaining some. And, Dadgummit, follow us on YouTube. You guys are missing some great content mm-hmm. over there. I'm YouTube's telling you YouTube's kind of picking what. up for us. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, we got a we lot got a good, of good feedback. Of listens on YouTube. Yeah, we got a lot of feedback on some of our talks about uh, the Fair State football field controversy so yes sir you might want to go check that out and see what we're talking about there but be sure to subscribe make sure you follow us on the next show that'll be coming out on friday but until next time hey take care everybody